Sarah, I hear you still have some more stupid injury stories for us this week. Well, Kelly, it, this is, I feel like we have a spinoff segment from Tales from My Box, which is now stupid <laughs> injuries segment. And I, I got more emails even just in the last week with stupid injuries. So people, if you have stupid injuries, you can keep sending them. It's all good. If they're good, I'll read them. So I've got another. If good. Is that going to be like a contest of how stupid are you? <laughs> I thought it would be a good contest. Because if you recall from last week, that guy was in the lead who Robert is in the lead who, who, um, the glass, he like tore a tendon in his hand because the celebratory beer on the podium broke. Right. So that's currently in number one. Okay. So I've got a couple for you and then we have a special one as well. So we have Carmen who broke her fifth metatarsal in her foot. Hey, and it kind of hurt for a little while. She didn't think about getting it checked out. And then a year later she goes to the doctor and she's like, I've kind of had this pain in my foot well it turns out after a year your foot just heals like hurt the bone just healed broken right um and so now she basically by not going to the doctor has to deal with running with a broken foot forever don't they just like re-break it and pin it back together straight isn't that a thing i don't know but i think maybe it has to do with where the break is or something i don't know like the medical details of this story but i feel (laughs) like not going to the doctor when you think you might have broken your foot is Definitely qualifies as a stupid injury. Okay. And number two, oh, I don't have a name with this one. I think she was maybe Christine. So this is an injury I think a lot of people can relate to. So you get a flat on your bike and you pull out the cartridge because you have a CO2 cartridge to fill oh, it up. Yeah. And can you see where this is going? Did she freeze her hand? Yes. She froze her hand, like massive blisters. It took several weeks of like peeling. <laughs> so, so people, those things go burn cold when you put they them do. in. So you got to have gloves. You got to have some kind of protector on the canister. So I like actually, okay. I like you're saying that, but then I don't use gloves with it. And I like just carefully blow it away from me. It's like the first time you do it and you fuck it up and then it like blows backward at you and you burn your hand. True. Or like when you, if you just hold it, if you hold the mm-hmm. actual canister, like full on with your hand, right. The and canister then it, like, itself cold, can yeah. burn you. I think that's what mm-hmm. happened to her. That's so oh, sometimes no. I'll hold it just like a little bit with kind of like right. half my nail, exactly. half, if I don't have something to hold it with. So this is our pro pro advice. <laughs> Hashtag pro tips. Yeah. <laughs> okay. And, the, and now coming up after our break, we have a stupid injury story from our favorite voicemailer. Uh, this week, we're also going to talk about cycling injuries, concussions, and are we just going to give the roads over to cars, life insurance, and fitness trackers, should they be connected? Lance Armstrong does swim run. An expert joins us. We actually have a mini guest <laughs> to chat about Kona and a last minute add to the women's field in Kona. Live Feisties, If We Were Riding is brought to you by Ass Kicker Inc., whose boutique line of activewear for women features positive uplifting messages such as strong is the new skinny and I can, I will, end of story. You can support the podcast, get 20% off with the code riding at askkickerinc, inc with a K, dot com. If We Were Riding is also proud to be sponsored by Crave Jerky. Crave Jerky is low in fat, a good source of protein, gluten-free, yay, and contains all natural ingredients. You can support the podcast and get 20% off your online orders by using the code RIDING at CraveJerky.com. That is Crave with a K. I'm Kelly O'Mara. And I'm Sarah Gross. And you're listening to Live Feisties If We Were Riding. 
you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time you better get ready to race to the top I'm ready to do this show you what the truth is I step on the field it's time to get real I'm feeling so ruthless so speaking of stupid injury stories in our number one position this week we have a voicemail from yes you guessed it Kelly's mom All right. So I just wanted to add my stupid injury to the ongoing stupid injury stories. I crashed a stationary bike. Yes, it's possible. I was doing a boot camp kind of thing where they had you doing a different type of exercise every day. And on the bike day, the spin day, I'd obviously been on an exercise bike before, but I'd never been in a spin class and never where they yell at you and tell you what to do. So the guy had us standing up and, you know, pushing against heavy resistance, like you were going uphill or something. And then he said to drop the resistance, and I wasn't expecting for the right pedal to just disappear out from under my foot. And I went flying forward into the handlebars, and the whole thing sort of tipped sideways. My shoe came off, the water bottle went flying, the girl next to me screamed, I probably squealed too. And I had a bunch of bruises on my arms and my rib cage. And yes, I crashed a stationary bike. There you go. Stupid injury. So I told her I'm still not 100% clear on how she managed to do this, but she said she's special. So I felt like she gave an accurate description. I, <laughs> I've, I, could, I was living it with her. You were living it with her? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> Speaking of stupid injuries, well, they're not all stupid injuries. I mean, when you get hit by a car, you just get hit by a car. You just get so. hit by a car. I've had a lot of stupid injuries and some of them are my fault. Sure. A lot of them aren't though. Cause think about that. Okay. So earlier this year, a lot of people are aware I got very sick at food poisoning in Bermuda, not from Bermuda guys from the airport food. And I woke up on the floor of the shower tiles vomiting. Like I came to in the act of vomiting on myself on the floor of the shower in a foreign country where you knew very few people. This all sounds a little dangerous. Right, Where I was on a work trip. It was great. And because I like came to on the floor of the shower, that meant I had passed out. Right. And, uh, that's not good. (laughs) When you pass out into the tile shower and there was like blood everywhere. And so it turns out in retrospect, I had a very bad concussion. Right. But there was nothing to do about it. Like they're like, I never lost memory. Like I, I was able to remember everything the whole time. I was coherent the whole time, you know, paramedics came, like there was no, what's the word I'm looking for. There was no treatment to be done other than. Right. You kind of have to monitor it. Right. Right. Other than like rest. And so I was kind of like at the time in January, I was just like, whatever, it's fine. In retrospect now, this may be why I was having a lot of issues for like months and months after. And then my husband had a concussion a week ago, as we talked about on the podcast at Ironman, Wisconsin. And it's become clear to me, basically, our understanding of concussions is like massively shifting, like week by week, almost like not just year by year, like what we think of as current science. It's so hard to keep up on. So what were some of the symptoms that that, that stayed with you that you, in retrospect, realize are part of the concussion? Well, I mean, my head, right? My head was like tender to the touch, like sore. You know, I was just like a little slow on things, uh, which like is one of those. I mean, the, the problem, I think, with concussions, and this is what a lot of people don't understand, is that there isn't a test, right? There isn't a clear line. It's a vague diagnosis. So, like the only way you get tested, even if you go to a hospital, is what's called like a clinical examination, which is basically, do you have periods you don't remember? Do you know what day it is? Are your eyes focusing? Can you answer questions? Are you coherent? That's not like, uh, oh, you hit this number on this blood test. Like there's not. 
which is is what's frustrating about concussions. Like my sister got hit by a car in high school and you don't know if like you're having a hard time a month later because of the concussion or just because that day you feel shitty, right? Like, are you, can you not remember things just because lots of people can't remember things? Like you don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I have a few. I I feel like in sports science right now, concussion is a big topic. I actually have Mm -hmm. a couple of friends who are doing PhDs in um, concussion specifically. So I think it's we're kind of at a tipping point now. So we've recognized that we don't know enough, especially with people like young people getting hurt in team sports a lot. Oh, for sure. And then really it affecting the rest of their lives. So at, at least the research is happening. Oh, it's definitely happening. And I think obviously there's like a big difference between what we consider concussions which are like mild medium brain injuries and like severe traumatic the ones where you know your personality changes but for like mild medium you felt you fell off your bike you in this context we're often talking about falling off your bike you got hit by a car those ones it's pretty much right now rest like rest rest your brain which means like no screens, no like reading stuff, no work. Like you, your brain's like a muscle and it has to like recover. So yeah. And that's, and that's, 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 that's what protocol, when people say like concussion protocol, right. like that's, that's it. Let your brain recover. And the brain's amazing at recovering for the most part. Oh yeah. Part. As long as you don't get another concussion while you're recovering from your, con- which is the NFL players problems, right? Yeah. True. Um, and I mean, I think it's injuries like concussion that scare people and that are forcing more and more people, not forcing, but like sending more, pushing more and more people to indoor training, right? Oh, for sure. I mean, we've talked about how bad the roads are getting before on the podcast and it feels like it's coming to a head. And at the same time, like, what do they call the indoor market? They have a special word for it. The virtual market is booming. And there's definitely a connection. It's definitely that like people don't feel safe anymore. They're tired of hearing about friends getting hit by cars, almost dying. I was thinking about this this weekend though, Sarah, because it was like a really bad day out on my bike this weekend. It was just like a lot of traffic. There was also like a charity ride, bike ride going on, which is always like rough when it's mixed with tourist traffic because you have both cars and bikers who don't know what they're doing. Right. It was, it was really, I was like, Ooh, this is when people die. But it was so bad, it was really, really unpleasant. And so I was thinking about it, but I don't, I feel like if I just move inside, if I'm like, well, screw it, I'm just gonna do all my writing inside, doesn't that just like give the roads over to the car? It's like, it's like, oh, you're a terrible driver. Here, you win? Like, that feels awful. Yeah, it, it, I, I see your point there. I mean, it's, it's that tension between doing what's best for your personal safety, but also not like as a society, we are worse off if all the cyclists go indoors, like actually creating safety for cyclists and safety awareness is the better path. So I don't know. Yeah, because all the stats, like the most frequent thing that corresponds to lower cyclist deaths, like per thousand or whatever, is the quantity of cyclists, right? Like that's the most common thing that makes you safer is there being lots of other cyclists and infrastructure for those cyclists. Like that's the biggest difference when you talk about like bike friendly cities in Europe versus here, the biggest difference is like the number and like the, the ability for them to be out there. Well, maybe the solution, CIM a solutions oriented. Oh, person, okay. Um, <laughs> is to support the people who are actually doing something about it or the people who are like, not just the individual thing of like continuing to go out and ride your bike, which is, which is great. I'm fighting the good fight. Fighting the it's good fine. fight by, by myself. Yeah. <laughs> you know, we had the cyclist lawyer, Megan Hotman on the Iron Woman podcast, you know, and she does a lot to, um, 
to work for safer cycling. You know, it's, it's her, she spends her whole life on it. So we should support the Megan Hopmans of the world as they're <laughs> fighting the good fight and allow the people who don't feel safe to join the virtual the virtual cycling world join the virtual cycling world i gotta say i'm not i don't think that's gonna be me anytime soon i'm not into all these like fancy gadgets sarah even though i recognize that they have a uh appeal like do you even have one of those fitness trackers step trackers fancy i don't kelly i don't even things. run with a watch anymore you i just have one of those fancy watches i, I have a fancy you. watch that i don't use yeah. yeah, you have like the gold version of my black fancy watch. Yeah, I have the Garmin Phoenix. I've, I don't use it and I don't wear it running. I wear it as a fashion <laughs> item. Um, <laughs> so there's my like embarrassing story. But um, yeah, I don't even wear. I, I, I just like enjoy the freedom of like, I just take the dog. I go for a run. I go down to the beach. I decide how much I want to run up and down the beach. And then I come back. It's a great plan, Sarah. But I heard. I actually think, well, I actually think it's really weird when people get very hung up on watches. I do know a lot of people in this like counter reaction to we're over analyzing our lives. Like, I'm not going to run with the watch fighting the good fight. (laughs) And to me, it's just like, don't get that hung. Like, who cares? Wear a watch. Don't get hung up on it. Yeah, wear a watch. That's also a solution. All good. But I hear that. Well, I heard from you before the show. (laughs) (laughs) That's my transition. That they're now tying these fitness tracker devices to like effectively the price of your life insurance. Yeah. So there's been a concern among privacy advocates pretty much since fitness trackers first became a thing that ultimately this could backfire, right? That your employer could use it against you, that your light health insurance could use it against you. If that you like you don't could pay, work out. Yeah. Like if you, you could pay higher rates if your health, if your fitness tracker showed, you know, you are unhealthy or whatever, or you're that you don't hit some set number of steps or whatever. But then, and everyone's been like, no, no, that won't happen. This is America. And then this week, John Hancock, which is the biggest life insurance company said, they're not, going to underwrite life insurance policies anymore that aren't tied to fitness trackers. Essentially, like they're only going to sell life insurance that comes with you will wear a fitness tracker, which I think is super fucking weird. Like, I can't be the only one that thinks that's super weird and messed up, right? Yeah. I mean, especially like think about this, right? Like my current, my current fitness regime, I go to CrossFit. I do what they tell me to do. I don't wear any devices. I just wear like shorts and a tank top. I do it. Then I go running with the dog and I don't wear a watch, as I just said. So like I, w- I would have to track my s- stuff to get a lower life insurance rate. That makes to no get life to insurance, me. period, to get not life a lower insurance. rate I mean, from John Hancock to even get it. Obviously, you would be in a healthy category. It's not like they're really parsing the data yet, but you can see how down the line like this is going to get weird. And it's also weird because like, let's be real. All these like fitness trackers are fancy watches that like track your heart rate and your calories and predict your 5K paces are not totally accurate. I mean, I would love if they were accurate because mine thinks I should be running a 119 half marathon and keeps telling me I should train harder. <laughs> and I'm like, what Kelly, fuck? you don't need your watch to tell you that. Let me tell you, you should train harder. And I think you can run a 119 marathon. <laughs> My watch is wildly optimistic. My watch and Sarah are basically like, you should be world-class. You're all about the 119. (laughs) 119's totally reasonable for you. Anyway. There you go. But yeah, so it's like, it's a little weird if you like actually use data in your training regularly and know it to think that anyone would think this is 100% accurate. 
Yeah. Because it's not, right? Like, it's not. That's true. That's true. And then to think that, like, if it's your insurance provider first, like, who next? (laughs) Right. Then it's your employer. Access to this. it's your school. Yeah. 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 That's... It freaks me out in a very, like, anyone who knows me will not be shocked that that stresses me out and freaks me out, so. Right. Well, we'll they'll be putting a chip in your arm next, Kelly, so. Exactly. You know that's where this is going. Okay, so another story that came up this week is that Lance Armstrong did a swim run race here, actually quite near my house in the Orca Islands. Yeah, you were going to do that race, but you didn't do it. I ended up not doing it, but my partner and I couldn't quite commit. Like Karen couldn't get her to commit, but yeah, Lance Armstrong did it with Simon Whitfield, the Olympic champion from 2000 as his partner. So I guess of course, as usual, like the whole of Twitter spoke up about whether Lance should be allowed to race. Right. Yeah, because Lance was doing some trail races around here in the Bay Area for a little while and that like a few years ago and everyone got all worked up about like, we shouldn't allow him to race. He, you know, he's a terrible person. I'm not one way or the other. They're not debating that. I, I'm, I'm always just like, like, I'm trying to say what's the verbal equivalent of like massive eye roll, like, uh, whenever this comes up. Like, ugh. <laughs> okay, why? Why? Like, unpack that. Where, where was the unpack eye roll? That. What does eye roll mean? Mm, okay. Well, one, none of these things are super serious, right? Like, this is not the equivalent of him coming back to try to win Kona, which was like a few years ago, right? When he did his whole triathlon thing. This is like casual trail 20K. Like, let's stop taking ourselves so seriously. Two, Lots of people are shitty people. That doesn't stop them from racing, right? Three, like he served his ban, like within the scheme then of, you know, the actual rules, he served his ban. That's that, right? Like, and, and, and if a race isn't sanctioned by the agencies that sanction, it doesn't even matter because he's not within, you know what I'm saying? Like, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, even if he has a lifetime ban under USADA, I don't think swim run is sanctioned by USADA. So like, it doesn't even matter. Like he's not violating a rule. It would simply be up to a race director then to be like individually banning him. And are we really expecting race directors at these tiny events to go around like individually banning people? Like that's absurd. Like, let's be, let's like all recognize the stakes here are way fucking low and like let people like do their casual run, swim, whatever. Yeah, I'll I'll take both those points. One is that... Lance was banned for a certain amount of time. He served his ban. I think he might have a lifetime USADA ban now, but that's like a lifetime. Like he he can never come back to cycling or triathlon. I'm pretty sure. Right. Right. Like he has a lifetime ban, but he can't do USADA races. I'm pretty sure that like any kind of serious is off the table. Right. 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 I think that's where like, that's where it starts to get gray. Right. Where it's like, if someone actually has a ban that like, it's not like we can say, if he has a lifetime ban, we're not saying he served his ban. Actually, he's still serving it. Right. So then you have these small races who are that are allowing him to race. And I mean, I take your point that it's like they can't individually become the, the arbiters of right. But I see what I do see why there's a question there. I also think like, are we really saying he should never be allowed to do it? Like that doesn't seem like a feasible plan for creating a functioning person who reenters society like never letting them do anything. Now, does he need to necessarily win stuff? Like, like why can't he just go for a run? If he wants to go for a run, why does he have to enter some contest and like win and have a big media empire? Cause he's also starting a media empire. So. Yes. I know. Like, right. So like, wh- like obviously, obviously he has emotional issues, but I'm not like, I'm not going to solve that. Right. <laughs> like that is what it is. Like whatever. That's amazing. And he didn't win. 
Him and Simon did I don't not think win. So. Now I kind of wish that Karen and I had got like really, really fit and gone in <laughs> to try to beat Simon and Lance. Now that would have been fun. Do See, there's always going to be people who want to do that too, right? Okay. So well, why do we want to take that away? <laughs> next time I'm taking down. Oh, I got to run past Lance Armstrong one time at, okay. in St. Croix at the half. Now I'm just like bragging. Um, okay, <laughs> he was, on, well, he was on the, the second lap of his run and I was on the first lap because he biked slightly faster than me. Um, slightly. And, and, but he was slowing, like he was slowing down. Right. And I was coming up and there was like all this media attention around this person. I'm like, what's going on? Oh yeah. Lance is here. So I was deciding as I came up, like, what do I say? (laughs) (laughs) What do you say when you're overtaking Lance Armstrong? Here I am just like hoping someone takes a picture of this situation. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I gave him the leg. Good job, Lance. And ran. Good job. Did you do it in the way when people say good job, but they don't mean it? Or did you do it like really good job? I tried to sound authentic. Okay, good. Good. Okay. There, he did never get to race Kona though. And it would have been interesting and yeah, yeah, yeah. It would have like corrupted the sport, whatever, but it would have been interesting. And Kona's coming up now. Kona is coming it up. It's coming so up now and decided. everyone's looking forward. Yeah. yeah. We decided to, to dive t- into that. To talk to an expert, Torsten Rad. He's from Germany. Most of you will know him. He does tryrating.com and he keeps thorough, thorough stats on all the pros. He does a complete Kona rating each year that you can download. So definitely go to tryrating.com to download your copy. And we're going to talk to Torsten now. And stay tuned after, because we'll talk about the added woman to the start list. Oh yeah, Torsten, thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for making me a special guest on your podcast. Oh, of course. (laughs) Always. Okay. So the question that we want to, one of the questions we want to ask you, because in the women's race, there's this kind of obviousness that it's Daniela's race to lose. And as a result, some people think that the women's race is boring. So one, do you think it's really Daniela's race to lose? And two, tell us why the women's race is not boring. <laughs> well, I think it's Daniela's race to lose. And I mean, that, that's basically what everyone's been saying for, for years and years. And that's why everyone is looking for, how do I put it into words that Yes, she's dominating, and it's probably only bad luck that she cannot win while still making the race sound interesting. And I guess the problem is that we have one camera for the ladies' race, and obviously that's going to look at the leader of the race. So they'll be showing Lucy Charles for some time, and then <laughs> Daniela, and Daniela, and Daniela, and Daniela. And of course, if all you're seeing is that one picture of the women's race, then it does look kind of boring. But the tricky thing will be to look a little bit beyond just the picture that you get shown on the on the live coverage. Maybe have a look at the tracker, download the app, and follow the ladies that are behind Daniela in the race and all the shifts that are going to occur there. And I guess we can go into... Yeah, I was going to say, so who should we? That just yeah. should, that would be interesting stories. I mean, Lucy, it's, it's an obvious one because she'll be in the picture too. She's going to lead after the swim or at least be in the... Well, maybe Lauren Brendan goes with her and then... These two will fight it out for the swim lead. Also likely that she and Lauren will be in front on the bike. But Daniela should catch them maybe around 90 mile, uh, 90K, so halfway of the mark there. And then once Daniela takes the lead, at least that's the way it happened in the past. Once she's in the lead, she doesn't relinquish it at all. But So Lucy is an interesting story. Then I guess the other interesting story would be, would be Rini returning after having Izzy. Um, and um, Haley Chura was at... Um 
Augusta 70.3 last weekend. And she said that she was super impressed by Rennie's yeah. fitness. Maybe I mean, she's maybe, our dark horse. Well, it, uh, is it even fair to call her a dark horse? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the thing that makes Rennie's racing interesting is she won't be in front on the swim. She's going to lose a bunch of time. Um, she's also going to lose additional time to most of the other women in the in the female field there on the bike. But then once the run starts, um, she's going to move through the field. So even if she's, say, 10 minutes out of the podium in T2, it's not the end of the day for her. The, the last year, last time that she won, she ran down Daniela when Daniela did her first uh, Kona race. And I think she was by like 14 minutes or something. Yeah, probably not not going to happen this year, 14 minutes to Daniela on the run. But well, 10 minutes to most of the other ladies in the field, totally doable for her. So she could be a story, at least uh, if you're looking on the podium. And then, I mean, just look at the ladies that were behind them last year. Heather Jackson, the obvious story for the U.S. press there. Also not the very best swimmer in the field. Um, but What? Up, uh, what? No, not Me yet. Me and her swim the same, so I always hate it when people say she's a bad swimmer. <laughs> well, she's uh, not the best swimmer in the Kona level <laughs> field there. So that 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 makes things hard for her, I guess. Uh, she's OK for most of the Ironman races that she does. But then she's the much better uh, cyclist, especially better than than Rini as well. And she's been running well in Kona, too. And um, I mean, fourth, fifth and third, I think, were her Kona results the last three years. Obviously, one that's going to aim at least for the podium, maybe a little higher. So her she's a story then. I mean, you just go down the list. Um, you have Kaisa, who is always running strong. Uh, you've got Sarah Carley, who was third last year. You've got Mel Hauschild, who's apparently healthy and has never raced uh, Kona healthy before. Last year, she was just returning from injury, never lost, uh, and and uh, or never, how do I put it? She won all the Ironman races she did outside of Kona. So when she's fit, I mean, she's certainly someone to keep in mind as well. What about some of our newbies? Of, are Sarah you, True yeah, then you've and got a bunch of Kona rookies that are moving up there. Uh, Sarah True, who ran a 254 in Frankfurt. Uh, Halle Fredrickson, who's maybe carrying a bit of an injury, but has also been sub nine in her single Ironman that she did. You've got Emma Pollant, who was second in the 70.3 Worlds last year and is moving up to the longer distances. Uh, you've got Teresa Adam, who's who's also done one, one in Cannes, Bedrini there. Annie Hauk, who's front, well, obviously as a German, I have to mention her, also is super good. Uh, runner there she just did frankfurt and didn't perform well there because she had flat and technical issues so hard to predict how she's going to do so if you've got a really interesting mix of you know experienced athletes young athletes who are just moving up the distance uh strong bikers stronger runners and i mean there's a lot of back and forth that's going to happen maybe not at the front or the very front um but uh, yeah delve down a bit deeper try to follow the splits on the tracker and I think it, it it's going to be super interesting. Or you can follow the Live Feisty live coverage, obviously. Well, I hope on our, on our Facebook showing page. a bit more than just Daniela. <laughs> <laughs> we'll show more than Daniela. So obviously, I mean, we care more about the women's race, but there's a men's race happening too. Yeah, I with, don't know why they started before <laughs> the women's race. Um, with Jan out now. How much does that change it? Because that was honestly like once Jan was out, I kind of started caring a little less. So how does it change it? Well, uh, it changes a bit of the dynamic. But to me, it just reduces the number of names that could win the race from four down to three. You still have Lionel Sanders, who was second last year. You've got Patrick Lange, who won the, the race last year. And you've got Sebi, who was fourth last year. 
And then there's always the surprise that shows up on race day. Last year we had McNamee who was third. Uh, maybe Javi Gomez in his first Ironman is going to do something, or his first Kona Ironman is going to do something really special. I mean, the, it, the race itself is much more open. And then we've got also the the bikers match that is likely to happen between Andrew Starkowitz and Cam Worf at the front. Um, not sure how that's going to affect the overall result in the end, but certainly a source of entertainment both before and during the race, I would guess, because <laughs> there's been some tweets going back and forth between them that created some smiles, I guess. <laughs> there's been a lot of tweets about Starkey says he's going to outrun the Uber runners. We want to know, according to your stats, how many women are going to outrun him? Oh, geez. I I'd say based on the time. Well, the tricky thing with Starkey is he's either done uh, decent on the run just around three hours. Let's let's put it that way. Or he's exploded. If he's right. going to explode, then obviously at least half the women's field will probably run faster than him. If he's going to run well and run around three hours, then you maybe have a handful. Um, I don't know how much sub three runs we're going to see uh, on the female side. Probably, let's say, two, three, four, five, maybe that area. So that, that'll be the, the women that outrun, um, outrun Starkey. But I was tempted, too, to say to his tweet who's going to outrun him name three and he'll beat at least two of them name the top three runners in the female field and see how he's going to fare against them and you know pick 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 Rini, pick daniela and maybe maybe kaisa or or any if, if she's going to run well it's not going to be easy for him and i mean another way that i i chatted a bit with cam worth and his goal is to run faster than the female run course record in every races that he that he's going for i mean 250 from Rini is going to be a real challenge for him if he manages to do that. Uh, he could make things interesting in the men's race too. So we'll see how that that turns out to to go. I mean, yeah, Jan obviously having been the favorite uh, to get the title again, also the one that is that probably everyone would have been looking for in that big bike group that that usually forms there. With him being out of the race, that changes the dynamics a bit of a, of the that uh, that big lead group because I don't think there's anyone who's going to really be you know, be the 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 patron, the patron of of that of that field there. Patrick, not the strong enough biker to whip everyone into shape there. Um, yeah, who's going to make sure that that bike group really stays on speed? And that might be a good thing for for Starkey uh, if he tries to take a flyer off the front because no one's there who's who's willing to to chase him down, other than the the bike the strong bikers that are behind after the swim, like like Sebi, um, Lionel, Cam Worth. They'll be Five minutes behind or th well three to five minutes behind after the swim and if starkey takes the flyer off the front then yeah who's going to really chase him down there then so things could get interesting there awesome well torsten thank you so much for your perspective we love hearing from you and the fact that we can trust your stats and you know actually what you're talking about unlike kelly and i who just <laughs> say whatever we feel like saying so <laughs> thanks so much and uh we'll look forward to hearing more about your um, predictions for Kona, I'm sure in the coming weeks, as everyone will be asking you. Oh, I'm having a lot of fun putting them out. And thanks for all the mentions there. And we'll see how accurate the previous performances predict the one race in Kona. Always, always some surprises in there. Okay, so thanks to Torsten. And definitely go to tryrating.com and download the Kona rating because that will allow you to, like we talked about with him, to follow some of the other athletes who could, you know, get into the top three or top 10 in Kona that the, that sometimes the moto and the camera don't catch, but are still amazing stories. Um, so 
after the break, we'll be back. There is one extra pro woman racing in Kona. We would like to thank our sponsors, Ass Kicker Inc. and Crave Jerky. You can support the podcast and get 20% off by using the code RIDING, that's R-I-D-I-N-G, at asskickerinc, inc with a K, dot com. And Crave Jerky, crave with a K, dot com. If you don't already, follow us on all the social medias at If We Were Riding on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And make sure you subscribe to our feed on iTunes or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts. If We Were Riding is hosted by Kelly O'Mara and me, Sarah Gross. Our fabulous editor is Aaron Hamilton. My time, my time. None of you people can tell me to stop this time like the last time. You better get ready to race in the top. I'm ready to do this, show you what the truth is. I step on the field, it's time to get real. I'm feeling so ruthless. Okay, so it was super weird news this week. Angela Nath posted on Instagram that, hey, yay, she is going to Coda now, which obviously is, what is it, a month, a month and a half after the last Coda qualification? So explain to us what happened there. So, gosh, I don't know if I have a full explanation, but apparently at Ironman Maastricht, I'm pronouncing that wrong, I know, two of the women went off course and effectively changed the outcome of the Kona, the final qualifications on Kona. And so Angela ended up not having enough points to go. And so she lodged a complaint because you could see these two women going off course on the Iron Man Now live video. Um, so they had it on record. And I guess the complaint got banded around a little bit. It finally went to the ITU technical committee, I believe, um, who felt that those two women should be disqualified. So, or felt so that's that, why it took so long. I think the final decision was with Iron Man to disqualify them. And so... Basically, they got disqualified and then all the points and money shuffled around and Angela ended up qualifying. And then what they did, then she moved up to third or second, whatever. And then that gave her enough points that she would have made the Kona qualification. Yes, but they did not. So that would have put her 35th or whatever, but they did not kick anybody out because then like they could have been like, oh, whoever was last then, which I think would have been Beth McKenzie. I'm not sure you're out, Angela's in, but they didn't do that because that would be really messed that up. That would be really terrible. They should not pick <laughs> yeah. people out once they give them the slot. So there's going to be an extra woman racing. And yeah, good on Angela for following up when something's not fair, especially if Iron Man has it right on their live coverage. So kudos to her. 